This podcast is brought to you by Friendly City Books, Columbus, Mississippi's independent bookstore. Learn more at FriendlyCityBooks.com. This is Rachel with Friendly City Books and the Friendly City Books podcast. Um, today we are talking with author Daniel Krause, um, who has written over 20 books, including The Shape of Water, The Living Dead, Rotters, the Zebulon Finch novels, The Teddy Saga, and more. Um, he's a legend in the weird fiction and horror world. Um, and today we're going to be talking about his new book, Whalefall, a horror sci-fi survival story about a diver who gets swallowed by a sperm whale. Um, and so let's dive into it. Um, here's the book. It is beautiful. <laughs> there we go for the camera. <laughs> um, so Daniel, I read an arc of this back in April. Um, I have not stopped talking about it since everybody at our bookstore, Friendly City Books knows that I'm obsessed with this. Every time the subject comes up, um, Emily, our uh, store owner goes, Whalefall. Mm. And so it's like a chant that we do. <laughs> Um, but anyway, I've, I've gotten people to read this. I'm still pushing people to read this. And uh, yeah, do you want to just tell us maybe where the idea came from? How did Whale Fall come to be? Sure. Um, first of all, uh, thank you for uh, being obsessed with it. That's That always <laughs> helps to have a few obsessed booksellers out there. Um, yeah, the idea came from a viral video. So there's several out there that kind of show, uh, I don't know about several, but there's like two or three. Um, and then if you add photographs, there's a few more of whales breaching the surface and sort of landing on people, usually like people in kayaks or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so this is something that, that happens from time to time. Uh, and I saw a video in 2020, that has two kayakers, two women who, who are, who land in the, in the mouth. They're just kind of sitting there in the whale breaches with its mouth open. <laughs> Sorry. Alarm. Um, the whale breaches lands on the kayakers. They are briefly mouthed. Uh, mm. and how the media usually reports on these things is that they're swallowed. And, um, that's how I originally heard this, um, video described to me too, which is, uh, that they were swallowed, that they weren't of course swallowed. Uh, most whales have these tiny little throats that are kind of like about the diameter of soup cans. So mm -hmm. no one's swallowing anyone with throats like that. Uh, but it got me thinking, um, could, is, was there a kind of whale that could actually swallow somebody? And was it possible in any way to survive inside of a whale for any amount of time. So that was kind of where the, the premise began. And then, you know, within 12 hours of, uh, having that idea, I had been, I connected myself to several whale scientists who, mm -hmm. um, were there to assure me that, uh, although it had probably never happened, uh, <laughs> it was theoretically possible with a sperm whale. Cause they're the only whale that had really giant throats. 
mm-hmm. because they're eating squid all day long, giant mm-hmm. and colossal squid. Uh, so once I had the sort of, okay, the stamp of like theoretically possible, then I began working with these experts to, uh, understand uh, what the inside of a whale was like and what were all the possible things a person would have to do to survive minute by minute and what were the things that they could at least try to do to try to get out. Um, so mm-hmm. it all began as sort of a science experiment um, and a uh, sort of intellectual exercise of just learning what what's inside of a whale. <laughs> that is, that's really cool. And that's the, the niche um, science, you know, just, rabbit hole of one topic I think is cool anyway and to build a whole book out of it sounds like a lot of fun a challenge and a lot of fun yeah um <laughs> so my que- one specific question so I know you said you talked with um experts about whale anatomy and the mm-hmm. inside of a whale how it w- would work there was one part of the book that dealt with um a vocal flap mm-hmm. in the throat now if I remember remember correctly in the author's notes, you said that that part was based more on hypothesis than actual, we know this to be true. How, well, how did that part work? Yeah, I'd go a little further than hypothesis, but um, mm-hmm. it's, you know, the whale experts that I worked with are always reassuring me that, um, are trying to reassure me that uh, whale, sperm whales were remain extremely mysterious. And so mm-hmm. they always gave me a tiny bit of leeway on, you know, they would do their best to tell me what the, the realities were, but they were never a hundred percent sure of themselves because they're still, yeah. the, you very rarely get to work on the body of a sperm whale. It's only when they uh, wash up on the beach and then you only have a few hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, there was, I, 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 I'm disinclined to talk too much about it cause it's kind of a spoiler yeah. for the book, but yes, there <laughs> is to be more vague. There is one one uh, bodily element uh, function of the whale that I, I explained in the author's note that is mm-hmm. at least debated today. Mm-hmm. You know, like some scientists, um, including the one one of the ones I was working with, really believe it, uh, that this thing is possible. Other scientists are are less certain about it. Uh, it. I think it was the only scientific element that wasn't, you know. But you know, almost had everyone behind it. This one has some people yeah. behind it, and other people don't don't know. Um, yeah. So I wanted to make sure I called that out as being something that was, <laughs> uh, you know, it was likely it was possible, but we don't know one hundred percent yet. Yeah, it well, it made for a really incredible moment in the book, and I'll I'll leave it at that. I won't spoil, but <laughs> that was, whew, that was a great part. <laughs> Thank you. Um, did you? I think you've mentioned before that you learned or you took scuba lessons well, to do research for the book. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. I, I learned how to scuba dive, which is a little different yeah. than taking scuba lessons. Like, like I wasn't okay. trying to get certified as a scuba diver. Yeah. Um, yeah. This was, you know, mid pandemic when I was writing mm-hmm. this book. Uh, and I'm also not a very good swimmer. Like it's, I grew up in the Midwest, not around any big bodies of water. Uh, so it is diving was never something that was really on my list of things to do. Uh, but I, you know, knowing that my character was going to spend the entire book inside of a a wetsuit diving equipment, I knew that I had to, um, at least give it a shot to see what, (laughs) um, the 
basic functionality felt like and what it just felt like to be inside of a wetsuit, you know, what, mm-hmm. it's, what are the, the mask and the breathing apparatus, what do they sound like and what do they feel mm-hmm. like or smell like, or how does the um, respirator taste in your mouth and all these sort of like more mm-hmm. um, tactile um, details. So anyway, yeah. uh, I had a couple friends here in Chicago who um, are avid scuba divers and uh, they took me out to the least beautiful place in the world to scuba dive Lake Michigan. <laughs> and, uh, we just, they just took me through it. And, uh, that's a lot different than getting certified, which is where you're taking a series of classes so yeah. you can sort of, uh, dive yourself. So I didn't do anything mm-hmm. like that, but I did learn how to <laughs> the, the basics. And then, you know, for other needs of mine, I hired mm-hmm. a professional diver to do some dives for me, which he videotaped. And then I, okay. I also, um, you know, just had a, a diver specialist on hand that I could always ask questions to. Yeah. Well, that, that research like totally comes through. I mean, I'm reading the whole time and I'm like, before I even knew any of this thinking, man, this guy knows exactly what he's talking about. Just the level of detail. I never doubted for a second that it was accurate. And that was, that just enriched the experience so much. Yeah. One of the <laughs> exciting things for me has been, um, you know, there's not a lot of whale experts out there. So I haven't uh, on my book too. I didn't encounter a lot of, uh, whale biologists, but I did encounter a number <laughs> of divers and, yeah. um, they were all so far anyway, they all thought the diving stuff was, was, um, perfectly accurate. Uh, so I'm, nice. I'm really happy about that. Cause I was, nervous about that and <laughs> took a lot of pains to make sure I had all the little details. Right. Yeah. I, I bet that, I bet that could be nerve wracking if you know, you're going to get <laughs> feedback from the industry. <laughs> well, you, you know, you always have to be careful with, uh, there's certain specialty topics. That that's the stuff that people get really into. Mm-hmm. I found the, the most, the trickiest things to write about are guns or guitars like hmm. gun experts and guitar experts will, <laughs> if there's anything, any little thing you get wrong, they will mm-hmm. come out of the woodwork to tell you. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> um, so do you, I know you said you mentioned that you aren't a strong swimmer. Mm-hmm. So do you have any actual like fears of the ocean? Like, does it get into the whole philosophobia thing or just general, uh, this isn't for me? Yeah, I'd say the latter. Um, I don't feel like I have a phobia of it. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, you know, when I lived briefly by the ocean, I would go into the ocean and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm not uh, terrified of it. I just, I just <laughs> never really learned to swim very well and then never yeah. really learned, lived in places except briefly there by the ocean where, Mm -hmm. uh, swimming was really a part of life. Um, Mm -hmm. so it's just something I never picked up on and then suddenly had to know everything about. (laughs) Oh goodness. Um, I I will say I, I have not been ever been a huge fan of like open water, especially when you can't see. So reading and, and watching movies, um, that are that take place underwater and in space oddly enough yeah. i get that claustrophobia so reading this was very like <gasps> it, i mean it was fun but like that adrenaline rush of i can breathe this is fine <laughs> well you, you you made a good comparison there because i think outer space and deep sea are very similar type mm-hmm. situations i think um a lot of stores are shelving this movie in the sci-fi fantasy 
um, mm-hmm. which you know, on the one hand seems odd to me because there's <laughs> no science fiction and maybe only a touch of fantasy. Uh, but it is mm-hmm. fiction about science. <laughs> that part, yeah. that much is true. Um, <laughs> so uh, it, it does fulfill that feeling, I think, that you get out of reading a science fiction book about someone in, yeah. a, in a capsule in outer space um, who's mm-hmm. sort of like um, trapped in, um, you know, in the depths of space and can't get out and is trying to mm-hmm. solve the problem. Uh, it, it feels like that kind of book, certainly. Yes, it's I, I think maybe it's it's a happening that is so fantastical and so rare that maybe like we immediately just sort of mentally put it in. This could never happen. Science fiction, fan, mm-hmm. even though theoretically it could. Um, personally, I would shelve it in horror just mm-hmm. because it's it's that just visceral. You are about to die kind of story. Yeah, um, which I think is excellent. I don't know. I mean, I've seen it everywhere. I've seen it in horror. I've seen it in science fiction. I've seen it in thriller, like just mystery, mm-hmm. mystery thriller. Yeah. Um, so I don't know where to exactly to put it. <laughs> I would advise putting a copy in each section. That's my suggestion. That's, that's what I say. I, I, I'm loving this, this, I love finding books that um, span genres like that. Because when people ask me, what's it about? Like, how much time do you have? Let me talk to you about this book. Right. <laughs> um, so sort of going off of that, that whole thriller horror vibe, um, I thought the pacing and the tension here were excellent. Like from the get go, even, even before Jay, the main character gets in the water, you're, you're in his emotional turmoil. The tension just keeps ratcheting up through the entire book. Um, we do have flashbacks to his life, um, his relationship with his dad that sort of figuratively and maybe literally give you a chance to breathe mm-hmm. from yep. being in the whale with him. Um, can you talk a little bit about the construction of the story? Like, was that a challenge? Was it more organic? Like, how did you come to the flashback sort of setup? Yeah, it was all those things. It was organic and a challenge. <laughs> um, it was Partly, it, it started with just the idea of I knew this story to make uh, to make sort of emotional sense would have to jump back and forth in time, mm-hmm. and all the modern, all the stuff that's happening now in real time had uh, the PSI rating at the top of it. So essentially, mm-hmm. how much air he has left, and I wanted yes. that to be a constant presence. So I wanted, I knew I wanted short chapters so that you'd constantly be seeing how how quickly his air was running out. And, that was effective. <laughs> right. Uh, but the, what the effect is, is exactly what you say. Um, it makes it feel like you're kind of going up for air every mm-hmm. time you get these little flashbacks and then you're back down in the whale. So, it, mm-hmm. so the format of it became suffocating, uh, sort of mirroring the, uh, the what's happening in the plot. So mm-hmm. I, I had a sense of it when I started, but once I got going, I, I saw how it was, how it was operating, um, to make it have a, the format was a, a sort of a breathless format and mm-hmm. it created fast page turns and everything about it made it feel like you were sort of the diver and you were trying to quickly, uh, breathe before the next page happened. So, um, yes. <laughs> That was a challenge because it was, it's much different than how I normally write or structure books. Um, I don't, mm-hmm. I've never done short chapters before and I'm talking short, like these are 
one, two or three page chapters. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I've never done anything remotely like that. So it was a little bit of an experiment for me to, to see how that would, that flow would work. But, mm -hmm. um, again, once I got a little bit into it, it became very, very natural and it felt, it felt, um, right and effective. It caused mm -hmm. a lot of chaos in editing because <laughs> when you go back and forth that much, mm -hmm. there's a, there's a lot of weight and counterweight that you're putting in. It's like, you don't think about it when you're reading necessarily, but, mm -hmm. uh, you're going back and forth and not, it's just, not just one-to-one. -one. It's not like one real time, one back and forth, one real time. Mm -hmm. it's, diff it's, it's, it's different than that. Um, mm -hmm. and so when you're editing and you withdraw one of those chapters or you move one of those chapters, the weight and counterweight and feel of it gets thrown off really easily. Whereas in, yeah. a, in a novel, it's that's not the case. Like in a, in a more traditionally structured novel, it's not the case. Yeah. Uh, so it it was problematic in editing. It just was harder because I'd have to find a way to replace the weight. It's almost like mm -hmm. it's almost like the book was like Jay. You know, Jay's diving and he's mm -hmm. got dive weights. And when you when I went uh, diving scuba diving. Um, my instructors actually forgot to put a, a dive weight into one of my, one of my side pockets. Oh, and so I was constantly, uh, turning one, yeah. one side of me was constantly going up and that's kind of analogous to what I'm talking about with the, the chapters. Mm -hmm. Um, I get rid of a chapter and suddenly the whole section of the book fell off until I found mm -hmm. a way to replace that weight. Okay. Well, I mean, besides the the challenges and all that was it was it fun uh -huh. just to write the book <laughs> i mean it seems like it would be yeah but like did you did you just have fun most of my books are fun to write uh there's a <laughs> there's a handful that have been less fun um this was mm -hmm. definitely really fun um it it felt it felt so different from everything else I've done. and that's that's kind of what i always try to do is i try to write every book um, I try to choose a book that's way, way different than the book that came before it. Um, so mm -hmm. usually that I'm choosing, um, changing genres in a major way or, um, uh, radically changing tense or point of view or perspective, or I'm writing for a different age range, you know, something mm -hmm. radical so that it yeah. throws my brain off a little bit and I don't end up writing something that feels similar to what I've done before. Mm -hmm. Uh, so this was so different because I couldn't even begin to plot the book until spending three months with scientists. Uh, because I don't know how to plot a book inside of a whale. I don't know what's possible. I don't know what the spaces are like. I don't know what you can do in there. I don't know if you can breathe in there. I don't know anything. So mm -hmm. it was, uh, it was a really front loaded research process that, uh, created a whole different feel to the, uh, enterprise and the idea of, of having it, you know, my goal was to have it be a hundred percent scientifically accurate. And that I, I've never set out with a, a weird goal like that. And so mm -hmm. that in itself was, uh, constantly pointing me in, in sort of only one true direction. Like I had mm -hmm. to make it work and there were things that I wanted to do sometimes that I, I couldn't do because this, some, some expert was telling me it was impossible. So I'd have to find a new way to do it. And that, that yeah. sort of process was much more akin to, uh, you know, some sort of scholarly pursuit, uh, which 
the book isn't scholarly at all, but um, that element of it was so different and new. And and that's what made it fun for me. Yeah. I mean, it sounds fun. And I, I think with any kind of art, if the, if the creator is having fun making it, you can feel that in the final product. Yeah. 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 I totally (laughs) believe that. Um, And usually the books that write the fastest, that's a really good sign for me. Mm -hmm. Um, because if I'm having fun with it, it's going, um, I can't stop writing. It's it's the slower books that actually I find the drafts are worse because I'm I'm Mm -hmm. clearly struggling as I, as I go. Yeah. Well, I can say it, it read so fast for me. Like, I think I read this in a day. I could not put it down. Luckily I was able to have the block of time and I'm just flying through it. It was Oh, it was, I was breathless. I was sitting at home actually reading it. And my partner was on the couch, like playing a video game or something. And I'm getting to all these, these visceral moments and just going, Oh, ah, and he's looking over like, what is happening? And I'm telling him he just got this. And then he's in the stomach and he's like, he's looking at me like I'm crazy. And I'm like, well, this is the reaction that you want from a book. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was fun. It was fun to read. So I, I knew it had to be fun to write. <laughs> yeah, it really was. Um, well, speaking of visceral moments, um, just to touch on a few just fun, fun to me, gross, woo moments in the book. Um, I will say the squid at the beginning was a huge surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I'll try not to spoil things, but like, of course, as soon as Jay gets in the water, you know, it's going to happen because that is the premise of the book, sure. but you're, at least for me, I'm still going, no, don't do it. Don't go in there. And then the squid comes up and you think you can't get any more tense waiting on the whale. And then it's just like wraps you even tighter. And then the big whale comes up. That was, that was so cool. And then to realize, Oh, it's because it's feeding. That was really neat. Right. So that was another (laughs) of the endless examples of just sort of scientific reality. Like no, Mm -hmm. no whale is going to, uh, would ever eat a person on purpose. Mm-hmm. Like they, they would have no interest in that. They can't do anything with a, a human, uh, nutritionally. Uh, <laughs> so that would, they would, uh, avoid that at all costs. But if they're eating a squid, which they do constantly, mm-hmm. uh, and the squid was entangled with a diver, like that was one of the very first things I had to, uh, discover with my, uh, scientific advisors was mm-hmm. how could a person ever even get swallowed by one? <laughs> and really that was the only, the only way in was via the squid. Yeah. But, but once I had the squid as a character, um, that opened up some exciting things to do too. Cause now I had this squid in the stomach as well. And that was exciting. Yes. Oh my goodness. And when you were talking about, you know, the way the whale digests is the stomach like squeezes. Mm-hmm. And so he's in there with the squid. I was just remind again, reminding myself that I could breathe reading that part. Yeah. Um, and then at one point he crawls through the first stomach's sphincter to the second stomach. And honestly, at that point, I was like, I have no clue what to expect. You know, I could have guessed one stomach beyond this. I have no idea. <laughs> that was just wild. Yeah. Oh it, my goodness. It was, I mean, you know, I think the, the experience of reading that kind of stuff was the same as me learning about it, um, mm-hmm. to find out that a diver could, 
go to the second chamber of the stomach. Like I was, I was ex- excited and surprised yeah. as well, <laughs> you know? And then I was like, wow, well, can he, can he get into the third stomach? You know, I got, it's, <laughs> it's pretty exciting to, uh, to hear these, um, amazing things. And the, the mm-hmm. scientists were really, I think, excited by it too. Like they had a lot of fun with the, the premise. So they talk about whale biology all the time, but never mm-hmm. in this context. So I think yeah. it was it was a, a fresh, fun thing for them to put a new kind of thinking cap on and put a put a human in this space that they're so used to studying and saying, yeah. "Well, what could a human do in there?" We, <laughs> I've I've seen some whale stomachs. What would it be like if you were inside one? And what what could you possibly do or manipulate around you? So it was. Mm-hmm. I think it was fun for everyone, really. Oh yeah. Have, have any of your scientist consults read the finished book? Yeah. You know yeah. Of? Most of them have, I, but <laughs> you know, I sent, I sent it out to all my experts before mm-hmm. it was published yeah. to, to get any final rounds of uh, comments. Yeah. Um, and my diving expert as well read, <laughs> read it before. And th- that was all very smart. They all caught little things mm-hmm. here and there. Um, so yeah. Yeah. But that, I'm assuming they enjoyed it. I mean, that, it sounds if they had fun consulting on it. <laughs> yeah. Did they did they tell you, oh, this is amazing. We love the finished product. Yeah, they really liked it. Um and that's, you know, that's also a relief. Like that I think to be able to satisfy, you know, average readers and also hardcore whale scientists is not <laughs> an easy feat. Um yeah. and my uh my primary diving expert really liked the book. Um so I think, I think it's doing, it's checking off the boxes of these <laughs> various uh, groups. I don't think my jellyfish expert has read it. <laughs> I, did, I did have to call on a jellyfish expert at one point. Um, oh, yeah. So I don't, I don't know if they've read it yet. Well, oh, I'm sure they will love it too. <laughs> um, so besides, you know, being, this being an excellent adrenaline fueled story um there's also so much emotional depth here and this was what really floored me reading um so obviously we have jay and mitt his dad and their contentious relationship um which is why jay is out in the water in the first place to be swallowed because mitt has died from cancer um and jay is trying to find his remains um and so that that alone was was very emotional. You know, you, it was very realistic. You know, you see people that you know in these characters, maybe even personal connections. Um, how did you how did you land on the the frame story of Mitt and Jay to to get him to the whale? Yeah, I mean, I knew that I wanted um, all. The, I mean, Jay would would have to to get out of this. He has to have some information in his head. Um, so the, the question right away was, how does this diver that I'm going to put in there know about whales, you know? Mm -hmm. And it seemed, you know, it would, it would be too obvious to just put, you know, the country's leading whale expert in there like that. (laughs) That's not exciting. Uh, but I wanted to, every time the character, you know, was able to employ a a fact you knew about whales, I wanted there to be emotion connected to that. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. just like, you know, I took, he took a class in it and he's remembering lesson number 14. No, I, I wanted it to be like, he was having to, each emotion or each memory he was pulling 
to help him survive was was tied to something very emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the character development really began with the biological reality of the whale. The scientist, uh, I think the first scientist I spoke to said, um, this would only work if the whale was really a, a quite large sperm whale and the diver was pretty slender. So, mm-hmm. you know, that one comment made me think, well, maybe the diver's a teenager, um, because they're young and skinny, uh, that made me think, okay, if he's a teenager, then what is the relationship? What is, what is the primary, uh, personal conflict? And when you're a teenager, the biggest relationship in your life is most commonly probably still your parents. Uh, so, you know, uh, at least that's the first relationship you have. So I, um, it made sense to make it a, a, a parent child relationship. Uh, and then it kind of went pretty naturally from there. Um, mm-hmm. if it, if it's a parent child relationship, maybe it, it's the parent who has all the knowledge. Um, and so you can see how these, these blocks, um, mm-hmm. how this train of thought just kind of marches along pretty logically. Yeah. Um, yeah. and that's, I just followed it to the sort of simplest, most logical conclusion because I thought the premise mm-hmm. was, had a very simple strength and power to it. So I wanted the mm-hmm. relationship to, to it similarly have a simple, uh, strong power to it. And I mm-hmm. just wanted to pair these things together because things were going to get very potentially very, uh, thorny inside the whale. So I wanted very clearly drawn relationships. Yeah. Um, I, I think it worked. I mean, thinking specifically about Mitt again, his, to me, his character felt so real. Like I, saw people that I know and that I have known Mm -hmm. in him, um, you know, bopping around thinking he's a rock star, but in private, you know, he's falling apart. He's got this addictive personality. But one thing I, I really appreciated about him and Jay is that neither of them are all bad, all good. Like you can't totally hate Mitt, even though he treats his son pretty badly, but I I love that you could see his obsession with the ocean and his love for the ocean come through. Like, even though he went sort of vigilante, he was very, you know, preserved this beautiful thing. Yeah. That was an important part of the book's process to me are uh, sort of evolving the uh, evolving, uh, uh, experience of it is that Mm -hmm. you, we naturally all go into the book identifying with Jay mm-hmm. and certainly uh, Mitt comes off as an antagonist. Um, but then as the book progresses, uh, I think there's a point or, uh, or points where we have to, I sort of identify with Mitt where we're like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we all start as Jays, but maybe we all turn into Mitts at some point. Uh, and I, I really, you know, things remain messy. It's not that neat. Mm-hmm. I don't think that, you know, Jay was, Jay was kind of bad to Mitt and Mitt was bad to Jay. And I don't think that's equal. I think Mitt was worse to Jay than vice versa. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that they both couldn't have been better and more merciful mm-hmm. to each other. Um, and yeah, it, it, it surprised me a little bit too about how much I, how much I started feeling for Mitt 
you know, because I think I went into writing it the same way readers go into reading it, where you mm-hmm. really just, so you're kind of just team J all the way. Yeah. And I was surprised by the time I got near the end of the book where it, I was having a lot of sympathy from it mm-hmm. um, and really understanding where he came from and understanding that, you know, he maybe didn't do his best, but he did try. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe he could have tried harder. Uh, but, um, you know, his, his, the lessons he gave to Jay were his clumsy attempt at love, you mm-hmm. know, and Jay, it just took Jay to this experience to sort of understand that, yeah. that his dad maybe didn't give him any love in any way that he understood it, but he did give them, give him all of these pieces of knowledge that now, just now, um, might be the only thing that can save him. Yeah. It, it kind of got me thinking too. I think this is a story that could be read at, like reread at various stages of life because it kind of made me think of like TV shows that I liked when I was a teenager. You're going to identify with the teen characters and, Oh, the adults don't understand me. And then you go back and rewatch them and you're like, what was I thinking? I totally identify with the adults. So, and I think maybe it might be the same way with this, you know? Yeah. At first I was like Jay all the way, but you know, thinking about that, having more sympathy for Mitt, I wonder if, uh, you know, reading it every few years down the line, how that perception will change too, as you just get more life experience and like understand more fully how messy people are. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that, I think I, you know, in an ideal world, the best books, um, and movies really all are mm-hmm. change, change with you as you grow mm-hmm. up. Um, oh, yeah. you know, like my favorite movies and stuff that I saw as a kid, um, the ones that I still love now, I see in completely different <laughs> ways. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I think this, this book would, would be a prime example of that, um, mm-hmm. that I think I, I hear from on tour, I heard from so many sons, and I, but I heard from so many fathers and I heard, uh, and the fathers of course used to be sons <laughs> or still are. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, there was a, a real, um, sort of a parody and, and kind of, uh, um, an appreciation for, uh, how they could sort of be both characters at once. Mm-hmm. So when we, that, that's really what the book is doing. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the book is split into two books called truth and mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the book is really sort of saying, yes, there are these truths, there are these things that these two characters did to each other, but can they, um, can we get past all that? Can we get mm-hmm. past facts into, uh, mercy. Yes. Um, well sort of going on that. So again, there, there's, to me, there was so much, um, spiritual exploration, emotional exploration in the book because of that. And also, um, I don't to me, it seemed like there was this overarching sense of, I don't want to say destiny, predestination, but every element of the book fit. It was purposeful. And I mean, obviously, you know, you make those choices as you're writing, but it like thinking about it in context of the story, you know, Jay's relationship and conflict with Mitt is what gets him out in the water in the first place. And then every thing he does to survive is 
you know, he's getting that information from from the relationship. And it's it almost seems like this higher purpose to his ordeal. Does that make sense? And was that intentional or did that just sort of come with what you were doing anyway? Well, I don't think it was my intent that it that there is some larger thing guiding this situation. Mm -hmm. I I, I wouldn't say that's true. Yeah. Um, uh, I think it's more that once the situation has has um, begun, mm-hmm. uh, there are there is just one relationship that will that will help him out of it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a very it's it's a very spiritual book, really, um, mm-hmm. and uh, it's based around a character, Mitt, who's not religious at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was actually very hostile to organized religion in the book. Um, but he is, uh, a very spiritual person. Like mm-hmm. clearly his, uh, his church is the ocean. Mm-hmm. The whales are sort of the angels. These are, um, things that I did very purposely. Mm-hmm. He has, he's covered with tattoos that are, uh, that are kind of his stand-ins for, um, religious jewelry or mm-hmm. rosaries or whatever you want to say yeah. um so there's and the fact that it takes place on monastery beach where there's a monastery that uh, that looks over it which is you know a mm-hmm. real a real detail of the real place um so uh that combined with the book of jonah which i knew everyone would bring some bit of knowledge uh, mm-hmm. to the book all these combined to to make it a book uh very much about um you know it's not a book about religion specifically, right. but it's a book about um, being able to to feel small again. And I think that's um, there's a point where where Mitt has one of his odd jobs is he for a couple of years there he runs a whale watching boat mm-hmm. and he makes Jay help him on the boat and he's talking about how the um, customers are all just looking for awe because they don't have, they've lost the capacity for it in their lives mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so his job is to make them feel small again, um, by showing them whales. And that kind of makes a lot of sense. Uh, by feeling small, we acknowledge the presence, the potential presence of something big, mm-hmm. you know, small is only small in comparison to something else. Right. So, uh, in looking at the ocean or a whale, you're sort of acknowledging life, that is bigger than you and uh, unfathomable beyond Mm -hmm. your experience. Um, So it's, you know, it's spiritual in all those type of ways. Yes. And I I loved that about it. I love that you can get those re I love that in reading, you can get those feelings and that, that sense of awe without it being um, tied to organized religion. I think that is when that kind of, um, emotional evocation is done well. It is a, a magical thing. Um, and I mean, what I, I really appreciated because I could see this story being like sort of a call to readers who don't subscribe to organized religion or who have been burned by organized mm-hmm. religion like Mitt. Um, like you said, because you're, you're still getting that awe. You're getting, I don't want to, again, no spoilers, but you're getting this rebirth. Yeah. with the characters and it was so powerful but i i really liked that it was still 
this the sense of all that was not so um articulated so specifically that it was put in a box I, I just i thought that worked really well that was one of my favorite parts of the whole book and i was describing it to friends of mine who are like pastors in churches and they're like this sounds amazing like you should read it <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah i appreciate I, i'd like to hear from more pastors and stuff to see how yeah. they how they react to the book. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell my friends that. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, let's see. I try to ask every author that we interview this too. So what are your top, I don't know, three to five favorite books just in general? Oh, geez. <laughs> I know sure. that's kind of on the spot. Sure. Surely you have, you have authors who, who have heard this question and just completely drawn blanks. <laughs> I mean, it's a, uh, th really, I don't, I, when I do interviews, I don't want to know the questions in advance. This is the only question that I wish I knew. In yeah. advance. Uh, but I, I should always, I should always, uh, assume this is going to be one of the questions because it's so, <laughs> it's so difficult. Um, I, my go-to answer, and I'll try to stretch beyond that is sure. Kathy Koja's The Cypher, which is a, a 1980s horror novel, although it's mm -hmm. nothing like what that makes it sound like. Um, it's, it really was one of the books that invigorated me, um, sort of in when I was around 30 or whatever to mm -hmm. go back to my sort of childhood dream of being an, uh, an author, which I had okay. not pursued in my, in my twenties at all. Um, uh, I guess following that <laughs> logic, there were a couple other books I read around the same time that, um, whether or not they're in my top, uh, three or four books. I have no idea, but yeah. around the same time I read, um, the Martian Chronicles by Bradbury mm -hmm. and, uh, Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison and I Am Legend by Richard Matheson. Yeah. So th I, I remember in quick succession reading those three books, I think. Mm -hmm. And, um, something about each of them was really exciting to me at the time. I think I had been kind of caught in this, readings, long reading slump where I was, mm -hmm. uh, reading a lot of books that I thought I should read, mm -hmm. you know, like I was supposed to read, there were like, um, big books of the time and, uh, just, I was kind of dutifully marching through them. <laughs> and then, uh, all the books that I mentioned, I found, I came across in really fun paperback, mm -hmm. used paperback editions. Um, and they just looked the, the, the fact that they have these old kind of vintage paperbacks kind of got me mm -hmm. excited and I read them, and, um, something, maybe it was also the fact that they were paperback, but it, it, the energy I got from them reminded me of the energy I got when I read books as a little kid. Oh, um, nice. and suddenly I, uh, I was right back in it and feeling like I had lost time. And so I started yeah. reading more and more books that just sounded like, uh, fun to me instead mm -hmm. of uh, just sort of whatever was being talked about at the moment. Yeah. So that's not precisely the answer to your question, but I think it's, <laughs> it'll, it'll suffice for now. Yeah, no, that's a great answer. I mean, I, I went through something similar, you know, you're, you get busy in your twenties, other stuff going on, and then you rediscover reading just because you have to yeah. have the right thing to pull you in. Well, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, I was just going to reiterate. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly, 
that's exactly it. And mm-hmm. um, I never really looked back since then. Yeah. We, uh, we have customers come in the bookstore all the time who say, you know, I haven't read for pleasure like this in years. I don't really know what to pick up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, whale fall, something so unusual and so gripping would be a great recommendation. That's like, that's what I go to when people tell me that, you know, something that I think is going to be unpinnable. Yeah. And so now I'm going to add this to the list. <laughs> well, you know, I, it's in, in a similar kind of way. I think people often ask me um, if I meet them and they haven't read any of my books, what book would you start with? That's the most mm-hmm. common question. And well, falls my new, definitely my new answer to that question. <laughs> yeah. um, I think it is, if you've never read me before, it really is the ideal starting spot. Like it does address things I address in other books, but mm-hmm. it does them, I think with a clarity and a, and a speed mm-hmm. that the other books don't have. Um, it is, it is really a, a pretty short book. Um, and it, it really powers along, um, in a way that I think is, it has its arms open slightly wider than a lot of my other books, which mm-hmm. are, uh, so somewhat more focused into certain genres or certain mm-hmm. um, reading proclivities or aptitudes. <laughs> Whereas this one feels like a book that I could recommend to almost anyone. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's got its kind of dark moments and quirks that are individual to me. Sure. Mm-hmm. But it does feel like something that um, I could more readily say read well fall. And there's a chance <laughs> someone could get something out of it. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Um, well, before whale fall, what was your answer to? I usually have to follow follow it up with other questions like, do you like this or do you like that? Um, and sometimes I'd send them to rotters and sometimes I'd send them to, it was more recent, the ghost that ate us or, Mm -hmm. you know, if they were already readers and didn't mind something huge, I would send them to (laughs) living dead or something. Uh, but it, it required some questions. Gotcha. Whereas yeah. now I feel like I, I can just say, well, follow it. It'll work. <laughs> That's true. That is a, that is a good point. Um, and follow up question to favorites or just mm-hmm. things that you've been enjoying movies or maybe more horror movies. I know you like George Romero. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of, uh, obsessed with George Romero and have been <laughs> since I was, uh, uh, five or six years old. Oh man. Um, you know, I've, I've got a, I've been watching less movies since I've been out on the road uh, Mm -hmm. touring, but I did open my uh, letterbox just now to look at it and see what (laughs) I've watched recently in hotel rooms. I watched bridesmaids uh, in, uh, I watched half of it in one hotel room. And then a Mm -hmm. few days later it was on another hotel room (laughs) when I finished it. It was great. Oh yeah. Hysterical. Uh, not what anyone's <laughs> expecting me to say, but, um, that's, it's a good movie. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I saw a, uh, film noir not too long ago called yield to the night from 1956. Mm. That was just tremendous. Um, I, th- okay. I, I think it's on the criterion streaming network. If you have that, that was, okay. um, really, really <laughs> amazing and, and dark and unexpected. Uh, I want to give you one more. What else have I seen sure. here? Artifice Girl. So Artifice Girl um, okay. might be my favorite new movie of the year. Okay. Low budget science fiction movie, I guess. I, w- hmm. I would put that in the science fiction category. <laughs> uh, but tremendous and really shows what you can do for almost 
uh, no money at all. Okay, cool. Well, um, thinking about that, I have a couple of, I have a movie and a book recommendation for you, if that's okay. It's quite all right. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I believe the movie, you can find it on YouTube and it is called, oh no, don't, don't leave me. Um, it is called Mud. Mud. It's, it's filmed entirely on a GoPro, which sounds like it would be so painful, but this was one of the most gripping compelling movies i have ever seen mud with I, matthew mcconaughey no no not mud with matthew mcconaughey Different mud. yes let me i would think there'd be multiple movies called mud i'm i'm gonna look it up right now so i can uh tell you the title because it was amazing while i'm looking that up um the book and i was actually thinking about this earlier and you may have read it it's called um fluke by christopher moore it is the only other book i have read that sort of deals with being swallowed by a whale but oh, it's right. hilarious and quirky yeah um, some, someone mentioned this to me <laughs> uh like a year or so ago but but yeah they said it was funny yes it is right. so funny all his stuff is is just wild and it uh, gets into really interesting questions of um, like the origins of humanity. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're interested in the area, in that <laughs> scientific right. area, it could be really fun. Um, let's see. What is it? What is this movie called? Well, I may have to look it up and tell you or and email it to you. <laughs> I can't yeah. believe I said this and now the title is just gone. Um, but it is incredible. I'll get you the title and we'll put it in the show notes too for anybody who wants to know. Um, but thank you so much for talking with me. This was so fun. I have been just so excited about this and telling everybody about Whale Fall and I will continue to do so. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the book's success has been because of early reader booksellers who yeah. have been excited by the book and have started <laughs> spreading the word. So I, I couldn't thank you enough. Awesome. Didn't you, I think you said on Instagram, is the book in its third or fourth printing now? Like already? It, it went into four printings within the first four days. Yeah. Oh my God. That so, is amazing. Yeah. It, I know yeah, that. it is. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, the, the downside is some, indie booksellers have had trouble stocking it of course yeah. so um that's a small bummer <laughs> but um but hopefully those printings are showing yeah. up now i mean that's kind of the best reason to have trouble stocking something is to know that a book you're excited about is that doing that well yeah so that's just what we're telling people like it's so popular <laughs> yeah there, there could be worse reasons definitely yeah all right. Well, um, again, thank you so much for talking with us and thank everybody for listening and watching. Um, we will be back with more of the Friendly City Books podcast and happy reading and happy reading and writing to you, Daniel. <laughs> thank you. Hi friends, it's Emily. Thanks for listening. Support Friendly City Books and other independent bookstores like us by shopping online at bookshop.org and libro.fm. Find us on social media at Friendly City Books and don't forget to like and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Happy reading!